I wonder if anybody here ever gets afraid. Do you get afraid sometimes? Do you ever have fears? What would some of your fears be? Shout them out if you dare. Spiders. Okay. Being broke, I think somebody said, right? What else? Failing something. Growing old. Losing your family. Being alone. Death. Right, yeah. There's a bunch of reasons why we, we're afraid, right? Like the fear enters our lives. I remember when fear was birthed in my life. The first time. Does anybody remember the first time they were ever afraid? I remember the first time I was afraid. I was visiting my cousins in uh, Middletown, New York. There's, I mean, it, 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 was, it always felt like traveling to the Ukraine, right? It always felt like so far away. But it was just right there, about an hour and a half, Middletown, New York. And I was with my cousins. My family was having a traditional Puerto Rican party where everybody was drinking and partying, and the kids were causing mischief in the room. I don't know if your culture is like my culture. But there was one point where on the TV, on the TV there was a movie playing. I was around five or six years old, so I sat down to watch the movie with all my cousins, and one by one, each one of them left. It was a dark room, and they were watching the movie, and I watched it with him, and it traumatized me. Anybody know? It was called The Exorcist. The Exorcist. No kidding. Six years old. The Exorcist. Even though it was the TV version of it, I literally remember going into the bathroom, and um, I walked into the bathroom, and I think I um, shut off the light, because I was supposed to, because as you walk out, you shut off the light, but you still had to walk a little bit more. I literally remember shutting off the light and being terrified all of a sudden, and then turning the light back on. And I remember having this thought, that never happened before. I remember thinking that. It was the moment that fear was birthed in my life. And I've been afraid ever since. I've been scared of so much. You know, but the Bible speaks, the Bible speaks to our fears. The Bible speaks to the things that we're afraid of. And one of the ways it deals with them is by exposing us to something fierce, which is God himself. The reason that I could walk down some neighborhoods when I was a young guy is because while I was afraid of the people that didn't like me in these other neighborhoods, they were more afraid of my big brother. And so I could walk with them. And I think that when it comes to fears, that's the same truth. That fears of life get shrunken down to a smaller size when we see a fierce God. I know that there are things that we walk around with and that we're afraid of. Some of us are afraid that our marriage is not going to make it. Some of us are scared that we're going to relapse. Others of us are really frightened for our kids. Some of us are afraid that we won't ever get an opportunity to marry Others of us are afraid of losing our job or our security, our financial security. 
Some are afraid of just what the future holds, the unknown, while others are afraid of getting in the right school, making sure that they can get the right grades. All of us experience fear from time to time. And today what we're going to do is we're going to see in the Bible a snapshot of men who were calm and relaxed and chilling out and then are exposed to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, get terrified and how that helps and how God helps them overcome their fear is the same way God will help us overcome ours. I'm going to read you a very famous story. It's found in the book of Luke. We're going to be reading in chapter 2. You can stay seated. I'm going to read a long passage and we'll uh, see what God can teach us in it. Luke 2, verses 8 through 20. You can stay seated for this. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem to see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had, ha what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. This is God's word. Let's pray before we unpack this. Father, thank you so much for the, the Christmas carols, the fellowship together. I thank you, Lord, for um, the beautiful people who cooked this meal for this congregation that we get to eat together. I thank you, Lord, that you are good to us. And as we reflect on your son's birth and even the end of the year, Lord, we're reminded that you got us through, that there were certain things that happened that we didn't think we'd be able to survive and you made that a reality for us. And so, Lord, we're grateful for that. But more than those things, we're grateful for you. You are a good God. You are worthy of praise. You are worthy to be worshipped and honored. And so, Lord, would you have your way? Would you speak to our hearts? Would you unpack this text and impregnate us with your truth? For we do pray 
In Jesus' name, amen and amen. What I want us to focus on is a very short part of this passage. And I think it's really relevant for those of us who are afraid, for those of us who get scared from time to time. It says in verse 9, it says, An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. Now, I want to pause for a second. It's interesting to me that these shepherds, is anybody here like afraid of the dark? Anybody? Like, no, nobody wants to admit it, right? Yeah, I know, I get it. Yeah, yeah, I know. Um, I put you in the middle of a forest, right? You guys are fine. Yeah, no problem. Dark, no big deal. Yeah. Um, It's interesting to me that these guys were in the dark and everything was fine and calm. But it's when the light came that they got afraid. I want to point something out to you. That when God comes, it's a fierce thing. Never does God ever show up and people are like, oh, it's you. Never. When God shows up, what happens is that people get an imprint of the floor on their foreheads. They fall to the ground, prostrate, because God is fierce. God is not a grandfather with a long beard who just looks so sweet, and if you nag just a little bit, we'll give you everything that you want. No, 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 no. God is fierce. When the angels show up and the light show comes on, even, even shepherds who fight with all sorts of animals to keep them away from the sheep, they get afraid. God is fierce. Now, this part about God being afraid, uh, or about seeing God and being afraid, is something that we all need to take in. We go, no, no, I, this is not the part of um, Christianity that I like. I like a God who's loving and caring and greater than me. I like the God who's merciful and forgiving. I like the God who's... But uh, the God that is fierce, the God who, is, who strikes fear in one's heart, That God, I don't know if I want anything to do with. Listen to me. Listen to me. God is fierce. And God is the only fear that drives out all other fears. That when you fear God, you don't have to fear another thing. And when you don't fear God, you have to fear every other thing. It's the truth about God. That when you see God in all his glory and you're, oh my, this is awesome. God is... I mean, it's, it's, it's like watching a tsunami. It's a fierce thing. God is, not, God is not a tame lion. God is a fierce lion. He's awesome. And when we see him, and we see him in all his power, it is fierce. The shepherds, they see the angels, and they're terrified. And of course they're terrified So the angels say to them, but the angels said to them, do not be afraid. Now let's pause there. Do not be afraid. Now the angels were telling them, do not be afraid because of the light show that they were seeing and they were seeing all the angels, right? Makes sense, right? You see light show, you see angels, you see people speaking from the sky, little little bit afraid, right? Little heart pumping, right? Right? But, But that's not why me and you are afraid. The things that me and you fear 
are just, some of us are afraid, like we said, of getting old. Some of us are afraid of growing old alone. Some of us are afraid of not achieving a particular milestone in our work. Others of us are afraid of our health condition. Maybe it's deteriorating. When the angel of the Lord says, do not be afraid, it's a callous thing that do not be afraid. Unless he can point to something that will help dispel the fears. It's like my brother when we were walking in those neighborhoods. He could tell me, don't be afraid, Edwin. And you know why he could say that? He, would, he could follow that up with, because I'm with you. Or actually, he would more accurately say, because you're with me. Ed, don't be afraid. You're with me. If I was afraid of starving as growing older, as I was a child, my mother could say, don't be afraid. I'll provide for you food. You see, it's the basis that makes the statement credible. The reason that I don't have to be afraid is because my mom would cook. My brother was there with me. Why does the angel tell them, don't be afraid? It says this. I bring you good news. Good news that will cause great joy. Good news has the power of doing that. Good news has the power of dispelling fears. You don't believe me. Say, for instance, you were at home and you had gotten your 15th bill and the landlord had, you know, uh, mailed the eviction notice to your home. Let's say, for instance, you had run out of money and your car had broken down and you didn't have any finances to speak of. And then a letter came in the mail and said, Behold, your uncle, twice removed, died and left you 50 million dollars. Now, you can see how that news could change everything. That would be good news that causes great joy. Wouldn't you say? Of course you would. Of course you would. Why? Because when you, what would you do when you got that good news? Let me ask you something. If you think, if you got that letter, do you think you could even remember the name of your landlord? Do you, think, do you think that you could remember what part of your car broke down? Do you think that you could remember how much you would owe Con Edison? You know why? Because you would be gazing on the beautiful news that you just heard. You would be reflecting. You would be meditating on it. It would change everything. You would see this news as the solution to all of the, others, all of the other problems that you had in the world. This news would shine the light of hope and all of it would look like no big deal in comparison to the great news that you just heard. Let me talk to some Christians here for a second. You're afraid. You struggle with fear. There are some real health concerns in your family. There are some real financial issues. There are some real relational discord that you're going through. And you're afraid. And the reason that you're afraid is because you've put your good news down. 
and you've focused on those other things. I'm telling you, what we have in Christ is such good news. Let me tell you what we have in Christ. What we have when the baby is born, the baby, by the way, doesn't stay a baby. The baby grows up and lives the life that you should have lived, but you did not, and dies the death that you deserve to die, but don't have to because he died it for you and paid the penalty for your sins so that you could be with God forever. That is exceptional news. And when, when that news comes into the Christian's life, it changes everything. He gives, us, he gives us, listen, when that baby grows up, dies for our sin, and gives us the salvation that we desperately deserve, that baby provides for us everything that we could possibly want or desire. Changes everything. Changes everything. It's good news. Listen to me. That good news means that God gives us our sins forgiven. That means the shame that you walk around with, you know the real shame that you walk around with, that you, the, th- the secrets that you don't want to tell anybody, you know those things? God says, wiped away like they never happened. He gives f- sins forgiven. You know what else God gives? He gives you a purpose for life. A purpose for life that's bigger than you or me. A purpose that's bigger than a job. A purpose that's bigger than a romance. A purpose that will go on forever, which is His glory. And believe me, the more you give God glory, the more joy you receive. He gives you not only that, but then He gives you a place in His home in heaven. Think about that. Think about that. you're You're looking at a person who's been homeless two times. Two years one time, eight months another time, with a family. I could share with you some stories about feeling hopeless, about being afraid, about not knowing how it's going to all end. Listen to me. What encouraged me? What encouraged me was my new apartment when I die. (laughs) That that no matter how long this homeless thing was going to last, it wouldn't last forever. But there's a home that's gonna. There's a home that's gonna. And so think about this. When we receive the gospel, we get our sins forgiven, a purpose for living, and a place in heaven. That's good news. That's good news. And that good news, focused on Christ, seeing him, dispels all the other news. He says, do not be afraid. I bring you Good news that will cause great joy for all people. For all people. That means no matter what you've gone through, no matter who you are, no matter what stage in life you are, you can come in here and tell, let me tell you something. The most arrogant thing in the world is for us to say, you know, I know God forgives me, but I can't forgive myself. What an arrogant statement. Are you telling me that your opinion matters more than God's opinion? Are you telling me that you have a more accurate assessment of reality than God does? Are you trying to say that what you say has more weight than what God says? Could you imagine going in front of a judge and looking at 25 to life? Could you imagine looking at that and the judge goes, 
bang, not guilty. And you go, you know, judge, I know you just acquitted me, but I can't acquit myself. It's bizarre. It's stupid. It makes no sense. You have no authority. Let me tell you something. There's the great king of the world that when we see him, he won't, we won't see him. I'm speaking to Christians. When we see him, we won't see him as judge. We'll see him as father and one who will take us up in his arms. The one who will make all the, listen, all the tears, he'll make them go away. That's, so what are you facing? Has the doctor told you that you have six months to live? Listen to me. Focus on the news. Focus on the news. You don't have six months. You have six months plus 10,000 trillion years. Yeah, I love that. Has the listen, has the, has the lover said, I don't want to be with you anymore? Look at the news. You have a lover in heaven who says, closer, come closer, come closer. I love you with all of my heart, and I give you body and soul. Do you have a, a, a fear? It, has the job said, we don't know, we're going to have some layoffs this year. Look at the news. Look at the news. Your security is found not in the ability of your job to pay your bills, but in the ability of God to carry you through any moment. The reason, Christian, the reason that you're afraid is because you're not looking at the good news. But I love what they did afterwards. This is great. They said, after all this happened and after the pyrotechnics happened and, you know, the little, you know, glory to God in the highest and the whole chorus happens, and it's not really a chorus. They actually say that. You know, in my mind's eye, they sing it it actually says, the text says that they said it. Interesting, right? What we think about when we, you know, no, they just said it. They said, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth. Like, you know, you, you think that, you know, glory to God, right? You think like that. But that's not how it happened. They just said it. And after all that happens, you know what happens? The guys make the most reasonable response. They go, let's go. Let's check it out. Now, let me speak to you people who are not Christians. Okay? Or you would say, I'm a Christian. You know, I'm, you know maybe, maybe you think, and, and this is important because and, and I'm not making fun. I'm saying this is maybe the way you view yourself. Um, you're saying maybe something like, hey, you know, in reality, I feel more spiritual than I do, you know, religious. That, that's the way I feel about myself. Well, let me, let me just sh share with you. The most spiritual person, if you're truly spiritual, loves Jesus. Let me tell you, there, there's, no, there's no other, there, like what other spirit can you possibly be talking about? Are you talking about your spirit? Good night. Where has that gotten you? Right? Are you talking about some other spirit that Christ, no, 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 no. The spirit that you must be talking about, if we're truly going to be spiritual, is one that's submitted unto God. One that's seeing and savoring Christ. as well. they got, These men said, let's go. Let's do it. Now, I just explained to you the gospel. The gospel is that God, who is perfect and good, paid the penalty for you who are not so perfect and not so good. And everybody says that until it gets personal, right? He goes, well, I'm not perfect. Everybody can say that until somebody else goes, bro, sis, you really ain't perfect. Like, you bad on a stick. You are like all sorts of left, you know, making all sorts of bad left turns, right? And so what God says is, I see that. I see that in you. 
and I love you. I know, I know. We're so used to hiding. We think that if God really saw who we were, then he wouldn't love us. God says, I see, my, I see more of you than you see of you. I see the sin that you're going to do in 2016, and I still love you like good food. That's, God's, that's how God sees those who belong to him. But the shepherd said, let's go. So what are you waiting for? Are you going to let another year go by? 2015 felt like it started and ended just like that, didn't it? Do you want to say no to that? Don't just be your own shot caller when it comes to relationship with Christ. Let Jesus be the shot caller in your life. I'm telling you, it changes everything. It will take away all of your fears. There's a great joy in knowing that Jesus Christ is Lord and that he just doesn't save you, but he draws you to himself and continually saves. You know what I mean by that, right? That means in every situation, in every instance, in every moment, Jesus saves. You feel lonely? Jesus can save you from your loneliness. You're broke? Jesus can give you security. You're, you're, you're concerned about uh, your health? Jesus can save you from your health concerns. There's nothing that can save you like Jesus. Listen to me. What was sent was not a helper because you and me do not need helpers. What was sent was not a life coach because you and me don't need life coaches. What was sent was a savior because you and me without Christ are dead in our trespasses. Please turn to Christ. Run to Christ. Uh, a great illustration that I really love about this, I just experienced this not too long ago, is that sometimes I do some traveling, and usually, like, uh, my wife or Chris, they usually do the, the, the travel arrangements and whatever, you know, hey, Edwin, you're going to stay at this hotel. If I'm driving, that's, well, this time I was staying at a particular hotel, and my wife just felt like we really needed to save money, so she got me into, I think it was called the Bates Motel. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. I think that's what it was called. Was it the Bates Motel? So I go to this hotel, and I kid you not. I kid you not. They're, they're dealing crack. The prostitutes are there. Like, everybody. Like, it's, it's on and popping. If you don't know where to cop, I can help you. I will take you to this place. And I'll show you where to cop. This is unbelievable. I could not believe my eyes. I walk into the room, and I'm telling you, things ran into the shadow. I was like, oh my goodness. <laughs> I, was like, I was flabbergasted. I looked out my window, and it was the, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm usually, and this is true about me. I'm not, like, you know, and I, I kind of pride myself for this. I go, man, I ain't afraid of nobody. I tell you, I locked the door, double locked the door. I looked out my window. I pressed that lock thing like 15 times so that it went to beep so that people would know there was an alarm on there, and I just kept on pressing it. I was scared to death. And I went there, and then I went into the bathroom, and I just couldn't believe my eyes. I was like, oh, my God. And I was going to call the... Um, I was going to call the front, front office, but that would have meant that somebody would come into my room. And I was too afraid to have someone come into my room to clean the sheets or to, or to, to I, it was a 
mess. I'm telling you. I think the, I think the hotel was the Bates Hotel. Okay, so, so, so I'm, I'm there, and I'm thinking all sorts of thoughts about my wife right now. I, at that moment, I got to be honest with you, because she set this up. And I'm like, oh, wait till you see what the family vacation's going to look like. Oh, I see what this is doing. I could save some money, too. Yeah, yeah. Don't worry, kids. All the kids play at the junkyard. Don't worry, kids. This is going to be bad. Let me tell you something. I was there for two days. And you know the only thing that gave me hope at this, at this incredible hotel, right? The only thing that gave me hope is that I was going to go home. Is that this wouldn't last forever. But I'm telling you, the hotel, when I was there, was bad. And was I scared? Oh, my goodness. And was there real danger around? I'm not kidding. Real danger. Like, I'm not going outside. I don't care. What, you know, like, once the dark is scary. You know, life is like that. The world that we're in right now, the life that we're living, what is it? 60 years? 80 years? If we're lucky, 100 years? Right? And when we get to heaven, the pain that you and I, and I know you can't see it now. You know why? Because you're smelling the toilet. You can't see it now because you're looking at the sheets. You can't see it now because when you look outside, you see all the dangers, toils, and snares, and you're like, oh, this is terrible. I know you can't see it now, but I'm telling you, I'm telling you. When we get to heaven, when we finally see him face to face, it's going to look like a bad night at a hotel. Our, all the greatest suffering that you and I have gone through is going to look like a bad night in a hotel. Come to him. Don't let this be all that there is for you. Don't say no to Jesus. Don't live like all your happiness depends on what you get on this earth. Run to him. He's faithful and good. And he's telling you that there's good news that causes great joy. And it's for all people. My prayer is that you would run to him today. I'm going to pray for you, and then we're going to sing, Oh, Holy Night, and then we're going to chow down like Baptist. All right? <laughs> but before we do, but before we do, let me speak to some of you who are Christians who were concerned. I know. And believe me, I do know. In this room, we have people who don't know where their next meal is going to Well, you know where your next meal come from, but that, not after that one. We have people who have loved ones who are not in this room because they're in a hospital. We have people who don't know how the story's all going to end in terms of jobs and medical situations and finances and relationships and all that stuff. Listen, may I beckon you to the good news. Focus on it. You go, I, I feel like I have no security. I have security in Christ. And think about that until your hairs stand up. You go, but I don't have any person to grow old with. No, but there's one who's closer than a brother who will stay with me for all time. 
You go, but I don't feel beautiful. There is one that finds you so beautiful that he'd rather die than be separated from you. Listen, but I don't feel secure. Listen, I can go on and on and on. Think about what Jesus means to the thing that you're afraid of till your hairs stand up on your arm. That's my prayer for you. But for those of you who are not Christians, would you come to him? What are you waiting for? It's really good news. Why would I have to cajole you and, 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 and pressure you to get your $50 million? And this is infinitely better than that $50 million. You get $50 million today, and it's go, it comes and it goes. I'm telling you, what you have in Christ will be forever. Don't say no to that. Don't say no. So in one minute, I'm going to ask you to stand. In one minute, not now, but in one minute. I'm going to ask you to stand if you want to receive Christ. And what I mean by receiving Christ is believing that Jesus died on the cross for you, repenting of your sin. What that means is just simply agreeing with God. Hey, God, you're right. I'm wrong. No, make, no more making excuses. And then living for him always. And just saying, Lord, be the boss of my body. Whatever decision you want to make with him. Believing Jesus died for your sins. In other words, your sin deserves a death penalty. Jesus took it for you. Repenting and saying, God, I, I've not put you first. I've been all about me. I've not sought your glory. Forgive me. And then letting Jesus be the boss of your body. So now, in about 30 seconds, I'm going to ask you to stand if you want to receive Christ. Now, if you've never received Christ, now, if you have received Christ, I would tell you to go back to what I just recently said. I would say, reflect on Jesus. Reflect on Jesus till the hairs on the back of your neck stand up. Think about how Jesus saves you from your loneliness and your fear and your anxiety and your, all the things that we talked about. Just think about that. Your kids and all that stuff. But if you don't know Jesus, do we can we share a Christmas present with you? It's Jesus. It's Jesus.